Welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. You've grown a nice cover crop on your field, but if it didn't die over the winter, you'll have to kill it so you can get the cash crop into the ground. There are several ways to do it, but which one is best for you? Successful Farming Agronomy and Technology Editor Megan Volstead talks with Lee Tesdell, an Iowa man who is named a cover crop champion by the National Wildlife Federation, and Megan Anderson, an extension field specialist at Iowa State University. Lee, you are a cover crop champion with the National Wildlife Federation, and Megan Anderson's here with us as field agronomist with Iowa State University Extension. I'd like to hear a little bit first, Lee, about what your year looks like with cover crops. And since we're talking a little bit more about termination today, we'll cover that topic, but share with us what your operation looks like. Yeah, thanks, Megan. So I'm sitting uh, out here like last time, sitting out here in my pickup, looking at my uh, farm uh, just north of Allman. This particular farm was bought by my great-grandfather in 1884, so it's been in in our family for um, more than 100 years. He actually was born in Norway and came over when he was 14 with his family in 1855. And then when he returned from the Civil War in 1865, uh, 10 years later, he uh, started farming with his family and became uh, quite successful. This is an 80-acre farm with 60 acres of row crop on it, which I rent to a neighbor, Mike Helland. And so uh, Mike and I work together on our conservation measures. We're using both infield and edge of field practices. So Mike and I cooperate on the infield practices, which include no-till and cover crops. Great. And so what cover crops do you have on the farm right now? This is year eight for cover crops on my farm. And um, right now I'm looking at uh, cereal rye. We put on 75 pounds per acre last August 22nd with a Hagee Montag clearance machine. And we also put on six pounds of uh, rapeseed. The rapeseed did uh, winter kill. And so uh, we just have cereal rye now. We planted our soybeans on the 20th of April. It planted green into the cereal rye. And we have not terminated our cereal rye yet. And what does that look like if you need to terminate? I think you were talking about, about this week, this time of year, that you're going to need to terminate that cover crop. Right. So the idea is that we like all the benefits, and we we mentioned those in the last uh, podcast. We used the acronym DRIPS, and we had six reasons that I uh, like to seed cover crops on my farm. So what we have to do is we, we don't want the rye to compete with the cash crop, right? So whether it's corn or soybeans, uh, we need to terminate the cover crop so it doesn't compete. There is a mechanical way of terminating cover crops with a uh, crimper roller system, which we have not tried. And then there are uh, chemicals we can use uh, herbicide to terminate the cover crop as well. And I think Megan Anderson, who's with us, is the expert in that area. When we come back, Megan Anderson will talk about various methods for terminating a cover crop and the importance of timing that termination. Stay tuned. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. 
there are several different ways that we can look at terminating cover crops. And Lee, you mentioned essentially all the ones that are some of the best methods, right? One of which would be to plant a cover crop that just winter kills, which doesn't always happen. In fact, we had a pretty mild winter. So I heard this winter that we had some species that would maybe normally winter kill in Iowa that maybe surprisingly made it through the winter and then farmers had to manage them this spring in the same way they would manage an overwintering cover crop. We also have the opportunity to use what Lee mentioned, which is a roller crimper. Uh, You know, that's pretty uncommon because of the size that you have to let your cover crops get to be in order to effectively use that as a termination option. So that's a really good option for someone who's looking at being willing to delay their crop planting, in particular soybeans mostly, until maybe really late May or early June, and actually using this roller crimper to crimp down that material and hopefully get some good weed suppression out of it. But probably by and large, the most common method that somebody might use would be exactly what Lee's thinking about this time of year is, when do we come out to actually terminate this with a herbicide? Uh, What products do we use? What's our plan of attack, I guess? to get this cover crop killed so that it doesn't interfere with our row crop. And as Megan has just outlined very well, there are these methods. I would just add that there are a few folks doing organic corn and soybeans. And of course, for them, they can't use the chemical methods. And I think they're the ones who are really trying to push the mechanical methods, right, Megan? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I don't like to talk about tillage as an option. So I think that the roller crimp is much better alternative. And in an organic system that provides kind of a double duty because it allows you maybe to not use tillage that you would have to use otherwise. And it provides some weed suppression, which in organic systems, that's that's what we really need because we do not have the synthetic chemicals available to us to kill our weeds. Megan, we know that there are some requirements as far as the risk management agency rules and uh, federal crop insurance rules. Other than that, what are the other clues that we would think about as to uh, timing our termination? That's a great point that no matter what we have in mind for how we want to terminate our cover crop or when we think we need to terminate our cover crop, Uh, We have to be thinking about what the guidelines are that are kind of set forth by our crop insurance agencies. And, you know, the NRCS has developed basic guidelines that we can follow to basically help minimize the interference that a cover crop might have with our row crop that we intend to plant. But I always advise because they are guidelines and because cover crop use has become a lot more mainstream, And there's a lot more research now than when some of these guidelines were initially developed. I'm told there's much more flexibility in that termination timing if uh, you speak with your crop insurance agent ahead of time and tell them what it is you're interested in doing. And your crop insurance agent can always help you figure out what, I guess, data you need to be able to present or what supportive information you need to present in order to make sure that you can follow whatever termination timing you want. So that's always, you know, the number one thing that we need to remember is we have to remember the rules, unfortunately, right? right? That's always there. But the big thing is, is minimizing interference with our row crop, right? We want to maximize the benefit of the cover crop, but we also want to make sure that the cash crop that we're planting, you know, we aren't sacrificing any yield. 
So there's a lot more work looking at this in recent years than there ever was before, right? I first started getting interested in cover crops in 2012 as a grad student at Iowa State. And uh, now here we are almost a decade later and we've grown leaps and bounds in our knowledge about using them in corn and soybean systems. Still for corn, we're looking at, you know, how can we minimize the potential for effects like disease pathogens and insects jumping over and competition for nitrogen, right? Because these are both grass crops when we're talking cereal rye going to, to corn. So we always advise that that cover crop is dead, right? Cereal rye, we'd like it to be dead before we plant corn. We know there are a lot of farmers who are really successful at not following that guideline, that we are planting green. That's become a really common thing, even with corn. And so we're looking, you know, Iowa State researchers are looking at that. In fact, researchers from all over the U.S. are trying to determine, you know, how can we mitigate some of the risk that might be associated with that? And why is it really successful in some places? And why are farmers struggling in other places? How can we change this system to say, okay, let's let's look at what people are doing and being really successful with this? And how can we make that happen for everybody? One of the critical points, and, and I know you know more about this than I do, one of the critical points seems to be putting on some nitrogen fertilizer with the planter or immediately after planting that corn green. Uh, that seems to be one of the big factors. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yeah, I totally agree. So that's something that John Sawyer, Iowa State, has has looked at as well as others. And we hear anecdotally from farmers that you don't need to increase the amount of nitrogen that you apply, right. but you may need to change your timing. If you right. normally do all fall applied or you normally do all side dress, you probably need to have some on with the planter to give corn that little bit of starter fertilizer to really get it going. So that's been a really common discussion point that I think enough people have said that, that I believe it, right? right. <laughs> We've got some research right. to suggest it. And there's a lot of anecdotal information that suggests that that is super important. One of the other things is regardless of when you plant, but definitely the closer you plant corn to when you kill cereal rye uh, or any cover crop species, you really need to just be scouting for pest issues. Uh, I'm not a big believer in applying an insecticide if you don't know you have a problem. A lot of people will try and just put an insecticide in over the top with their post herbicide passing corn if they're using a cover crop or even sometimes if they're not. And I think those pest issues are few and far enough between. You know, I was out on your farm last year, Lee, and I monitored right. for armyworms for weeks and weeks and weeks. Hardly ever saw any armyworm activity. In Illinois, they did, or somewhere else they did, and they're just sporadic pest issues. You know, they fly up here every year, a lot of those uh, problems that we have in the spring. So right. monitoring, right? Keeping a closer eye on it, because anytime we change our management system, we need to pay really close attention to it and see what's happening. And every spring right. is different. I like your point about uh, knowing what's going on on your farm, walking around. I understand, you know, with neighbors who uh, are farming three, four, five thousand acres, uh, that's hard for them to do. But 
at my scale, I really like being down here and just watching what's going on. And I will say one thing I noticed after the rain we had last week, I was thankful that I still had the rye growing out here because comparing to the neighboring field where they have conventional tillage, which washed quite a bit onto my farm, I could see the benefit of having the growing crop that was, you know, maybe 12 inches at that time that caught all of that material that flowed across from the other field and stopped the surface erosion. So that's one benefit that we can see sometimes with the spring rain. <laughs> so Definitely. And I would say in the last couple of weeks, we've had some incredible winds as well. And you can tell a huge difference between fields that have living cover, fields that have residue, and fields that had neither of those. Right. I saw that too when my neighbors have been out planting. And the way I can tell that they're out planting or field cultivating is you, you see the dust cloud first and then you look for the color of the tractor. <laughs> um, and when we planted here on the 20th of April, there was just no dust at all because we we're planting green. And so that's... Another way that we lose some of our topsoil is with, uh, with those dust clouds. Uh, granted, it's not a lot, but some of our topsoil leaves our farms in that way. And, you know, on mine, it stays where it is, it stays put. So that's another reason I like to have that living green out there when we plant. Definitely. And Lee, you're planting, you've planted soybeans into your cereal rye cover, and you're evaluating now when to terminate it. And so the cool thing and I think you've seen this as well, is that there's a lot more flexibility when we plant soybeans into yes. a crop like cereal rye. That termination timing, having to have it killed when it's so small is not necessarily priority number one. And it really gives us an opportunity to let that cover crop grow bigger, maybe get some more of these benefits from building organic matter standpoint producing more above ground biomass and potentially suppressing weeds. Right. And this is maybe a topic that we could do another podcast on, but I've had uh, Thomas Fawcett out here from Heartland Co-op. He's the precision ag fellow at uh, Heartland Co-op, and he's done some uh, flights on my farm uh, looking at uh, trying to assess how much biomass we have. I think that's another area for technology used on farms is not only looking at the uh, crop health, which we often do during the growing season, that is the cash crop health, but also the cover crop health and how to, you know, get out here and fly our cover crops in late fall, maybe in early spring, and then later in the spring to try to get a handle on how much biomass and how good the coverage really is out here. This is a lot of information to take in, so when we return, Megan Anderson offers her advice for someone just starting out with cover crops and how to manage that termination. Stay tuned. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. You've both shared really great insights and kind of best practices, too, for cover crops and termination. I've heard from you so far, considering your planning time of your cash crop, working with your crop insurance agent on guidelines, you're considering if you're going to work mechanical or with herbicides to do termination and continuous scouting for pest issues. 
what else would you recommend maybe for somebody who's just getting started with cover crops and thinking about termination and maybe a little intimidated or trying to get their bearings on what works on their operation? What would you share as some tips and tricks for, for them to start thinking about? I think Megan has some good advice here, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say that Lee would probably have some really good advice, but my advice would be to keep things simple and maybe not focus on those images of five foot tall cover crops that I would get lost in. <laughs> you know, maybe you don't aim for maximum weed suppression, your number one, <laughs> that you're trying to use a cover crop and take some time to really get used to the fact that it's out on the farm, right? Maybe start by trying to kill it when it's 10 inches tall or something. Kill it before you plant your corner soybeans. And then as you get more comfortable with it, you can maybe feel better about being more daring with what you do. And then my other big tip would be to ask somebody who, who has been doing this for a while. So there's a really fantastic network of cover crop champions, which I would consider Lee to be one who can provide all kinds of sage wisdom with regard to managing these. Yeah, come out to field days, you know, practical farmers and Iowa learning farms conduct field days. Hopefully later this summer into the fall, we can start having face-to-face -face field days again. And, you know, like they say, come around and kick the tires a little bit, see what things look like and talk to people. My, my neighbors, Mike and Charles Helen put cover crops on quite a few of their acres. They've been trying uh, winter wheat also and cereal rye. They've rented out some uh, cereal rye acres to a cattle raiser who has um, grazed it through the winter in one case. And, um, you know, they've been doing it for a while and uh, they would have good advice too. The Everything Cover Crops group on Facebook is a good resource. And there are others out there trying this and making it work would like to thank National Wildlife Federation Cover Crop Champion Program also for planting the seeds, <laughs> no pun intended, <laughs> for a bunch of us, you know, scattered throughout the upper Midwest to um, play this role of informing and answering questions and so on and trying this on our own ground. So thank right. you also to Successful Farming for doing this podcast with us. And Megan, you've been a great person to work with. So thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. It sounds like there's some great resources available for anyone who's starting or is experienced and like Megan said, is getting daring with their cover crop practices and with termination. So a lot of those resources are helpful. Your stories, your tips and tricks are extremely helpful too. So thank you for those. And I'll look forward to the next topic for cover crops. Anything else you'd like to add, either of you? Well, as we say at Practical Farmers of Iowa, don't farm naked. <laughs> Keep your ground covered, make it resilient, and put cover crops out on 40 acres and see how you like it. Thanks, uh, Megan Anderson, very much for your uh, expertise today, too. We really appreciate Iowa State University Extension keeping up with these trends and doing the research and analyzing the data so that we have some real science to go on. So thank you. Thanks for having me. And thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.